Uh, the Matildas, a disappointing result last night. A loss in their second group stage game to Nigeria. 3-2, they went down. They were valiant in defeat. A late goal to Alana Kennedy. We thought maybe there's a chance to salvage a draw. They couldn't quite get there. Uh, joining us down the line this afternoon to talk the latest out of the FIFA World Cup is Oscar Rutherford. Oscar, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Matt. How are you? Very, very well, although I would have been better if the Matildas had have won last night. What did you make of the game? A tough loss to Nigeria. I think we all might have been a little bit better had that been the case. Yeah, look, uh, the, the game against Nigeria, it was deeply disappointing uh, from, a, from a performance standpoint from when you look at the occasion and the significance of these games, these limited games that we have at a home World Cup that are packed out, Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. It was, it was deeply disappointing. Uh, I think in many ways it's exposed some of the long-running limitations of this Matilda's outfit under Tony Gustafsson. And while you know, I won't claim to have expected that this would be the outcome, I don't think it's as shocking as some people perhaps are making it out to be. The reality is that this Matilda's team uh, has extreme limitations when playing particularly weaker opposition on paper. Uh, there's a lot of dysfunction with the way the Matildas play. And yes, of course, there are excuses that can be made in terms of the absences and the injuries and having to shuffle the squad around. And I don't suggest that those aren't factors which are relevant. But ultimately, the problems that we saw, or the problems that we saw last night, are indicative of a, of a deeper lying trend with this team. And, and when I spoke to you at the start of the tournament, I, I, I talked about the tactical inflexibility which will ultimately hold back the Matildas uh, and we saw that on full display last night and that's why I don't think that they'll win the World Cup uh, there's a real doubt as to whether we'll even make it out of the group stage at this mm. point and uh, it's, it's extremely disappointing for such a big event. So specifically what were the big issues that you saw in last night's game? Well the big issues were, were what I'll call dysfunction with the ball. The Matildas had the majority of possession. They were controlling generally the territory and where the football was being played. But there was a real struggle to, to break down Nigeria. We saw in, in Game 1 against Ireland, which also, it should be said, wasn't a particularly good performance. But how reliant this team is on Katrina Gori in the middle of the park, because Katrina Gori is just a sensational footballer. And Nigeria targeted Gori. They pressed her. They didn't give her the time and the space to work her magic, and when you shut down Gori, we really saw that the rest of the team kind of fell apart around her. That is contributed to by missing, in particular, Barry Fowler and Sam Kerr, but you know, this team should be better than, than relying on a couple of, of players uh, to really make all the difference. And yeah, and the only difference really between what we saw last night and the Ireland game was that Nigeria were much more adept at punishing us on the, on the counter-attack, and we saw that with the three goals that they scored. They, they played the game very well. They deserve a whole lot of credit for the way they went about things. But ultimately, this falls on the Matildas and the coaching of that team, which we should demand to be better than it was. So, without Sam Kerr, does it tell you that there is too much of a reliance on her? Let's get the ball on, kick it you know, forward as best we can, see what Sam can do. And obviously, without her being in action in recent weeks, maybe it's exposed the Matildas a little more? I do think there's a lot of truth to what you just said, Matt. I think that a player like Sam Kerr, I don't think she makes the Matildas function, if you will. I think that rather she she kind of masks the dysfunction 
that always exist with the Matildas. We get away with things when you've got someone like Sam Kerr to put away low percentage chances or, or do things or, or really draw the defence into a particular direction so that everyone else has a bit more time and space. And, and when you don't have Sam Kerr, you don't have that luxury. You're really forced to rely on, on the nuts and bolts of your team and how you play football. And what we've seen, I, and I would really say not just against Nigeria, there are perhaps some excuses that could be made in terms of, you know, first game nerves of the Home World Cup for the Ireland game. But in both of those games, this Matilda team hasn't been good enough without Sam Kerr. I think Mary Fowler was also a huge loss because she is another sensational mm-hmm. footballer who, who contributes so much to the way the Matildas, well, in theory, should be contributing a lot to the way the Matildas progress the ball and build up from the back. And so to be missing both her and Fowler, it, it, it made it really tough for the rest of the team and they weren't able to step up to the plate. Yeah, that first game against Ireland, it almost deserved a one-all draw, uh, in all honesty, going and, and looking back at it. And then last night, Nigeria, they were just so quick, weren't they? And uh, explosive, that goal just before half-time really hurt the Matildas as well. Yeah, Nigeria have been have been quietly very impressive this tournament. I mean, their game against uh, Canada, which is, which is here in Melbourne, and, and you saw in that game kind of a similar story, just minus the goals. I mean... Canada had a penalty which they were unable to convert. But outside of that, Nigeria were pretty solid defensively and they made it difficult for Canada to create clear-cut chances. And and you saw some promising signs when they were hitting on the counter. They just weren't able to really take those or or, or finish them off when they got them. But they did last night and and they deserve a whole lot of credit for the way that they've gone about things. And you look at the, the backstory of this Nigerian team heading into this tournament, they're one that, that falls into the all two common category in this tournament of teams who've had disputes with their federation in terms of payment and in terms of all sorts of resourcing or lack thereof that they have to deal with, um, not just this year, but historically as well. So for them to come out and, and play as well as they have and to upset the odds is, is, is I guess, taking... Have we got you there, Oscar? ...to progress through to the knockout round. We just lost you just uh, very... Uh, quickly there, but uh, we've got you back. We're speaking to Oscar Rutherford here on Sports Drive this afternoon. Um, what does it tell you about where women's football is right now in terms of the fact that Nigeria won, they're the world number 40. It, it seems as though the gap between the best and the worst is closing and closing quickly. Yeah, I mean, apologies for, for the cutout and the, the questionable connection. No, look, it, yeah, it, it does tell us a, a bit about how and this has been the trend over the last really decade, uh, the fact that there have been kind of some quick starters in, in the women's game who got out in front early, the likes of the US and, and the Matildas as well to an extent. Uh, but we're seeing increasingly uh, national federations recognising the need for resources and, and properly support their women's competitions. I'm not sure if you caught me or, or if it was cut out before when I was mentioning about the, the pay disputes and the resourcing disputes that Nigeria have had with their federation. So there, there's a lot of problems that, that shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, but but it, is, it is a positive reflection on the competitiveness, the competitiveness, sorry, of, of the women's game that we're having such big upsets. I mean, we also saw fellow New Zealand beaten by the Philippines, which is another you know, minnow mm. nation. I mean, Nigeria isn't a minnow nation, but another underdog uh, really upsetting the odds and, and pulling off a huge win. So it, it's making for a, a really interesting tournament and some really great narratives. Uh, although I do still think that the onus falls on Australia to kind of not allow themselves to be the victims of those great narratives. And we have the resourcing and the players to do it, but we haven't been able to execute. 
So, do they get Sam Kerr back for the game against Canada, or will she remain on the sidelines? It's a great question that everyone's asking. Uh, we, we, we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. No one knows the answer. <laughs> uh, it does seem like it's very much a touch-and-go thing of how she pulls up on the day. Look, I imagine that if she's got any minutes in her, you can't really hold back from risking her in this game. Yeah. There, there is significant risk attached, particularly with like a calf injury. Uh, we know that those can become aggravated if you do go out when before you're fully recovered. Uh, and, and, you know, you wonder if you did get past Canada and get into the knockout stages by playing Sam Kerr, does that mean that you couldn't then play the first knockout game or possibly further on into the tournament? Those are serious problems and serious risks. But you, we put ourselves in a position where we can't afford not to take those risks. And if Sam Kerr is available, even if it's just for half an hour at the end of the game, I, I think you really do need to, to get her on the pitch and, and see if she can whip up some magic. Risk versus reward, and I think uh, I agree. You have to play her if she can make it out on the pitch, even if she's not at 100%. Um, just quickly, Oscar, before I do let you go, who are the teams uh, that you've seen over this past week or so that have really stood out to you and uh, you consider as your favourites? Well, I would say so far two teams have probably stood out more than any others up to this point. One of them would be the, the team that I gave you as my tip for each tournament being Germany. Mm. I mean, they played their, their first game in Melbourne against Morocco and, and really absolutely battered them, beating them 6-0. And, and there's something just incredibly efficient and functional about the way Germany play it. It's bordering on stereotypical the way that, that, that they play their football. But it, it was very impressive against Morocco, so they're definitely one to look out for. And then the other one would have to be Spain. I mean, they've played some really wonderful football up to this point. They've got two wins to their name. Uh, and, and if they can keep that up, they, they can really cause some trouble for some teams who were perhaps a bit more stable coming into this competition. I have, as I'm speaking, remembered one more, which is the other team in Spain's group that's made it to the knockout rounds already in Japan. They've also played some really good football. So probably those three, Germany, Spain and Japan, have been the most impressive teams that I've seen thus far. Yeah, earlier on today, it was Argentina and South Africa playing to a 2 all draw. We've got England to take on Denmark a little bit later on this afternoon, and then China will face Haiti at 7 p.m. WA time. Oscar, a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for jumping on the program today, and enjoy your weekend ahead. Thanks very much, Matt. You too. Thank you. There he goes, Oscar Rutherford, here on Sports Drive this afternoon, talking all things FIFA Women's World Cup.